Hello fellow adventurers, I'm Jessie Thompson and welcome to You Can Shine podcast where I explore real stories of real people just like you and me who have faced adversities and trials and won. Today I'm here with Noel Lord, affectionately known to his friends as Lordy. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Noel back in 2008 when he came to me for some executive coaching and boy was he sorry he did that. (laughs) At the time, Noel was a senior executive at Macquarie Bank and we've maintained contact over the years as Noel ventured out into senior executive roles at MetLife, Comsec and MLC and then eventually exploring other business opportunities. Noel Lord is also an accomplished global speaker, covering topics such as sales generation, fostering a growth mindset, and building trust and teamwork within organizations. Noel is partner to Janine and father to Georgia and Adam. And a fun fact is that Noel learned how mentally tough he really could be when he walked the Kokoda Trail in 2002. And above all of that, he's a good-hearted bloke. So welcome today to Noel Lord for part two of his interview. Thanks, Jason. It's good to be back with you today. Great. So Noel, last time we spoke about the impact of the GFC and how that affected you and your family and, and how you recovered from that. And we also talked about, you know, the business um, experiences that you had with, you know, lack of transparency and mistrust and, and losing everything as a consequence of that and how you recovered. And that you have subsequently gone on to study a lot around neuroscience and now you're using all of your learnings to empower and resource organisations and sales forces around Australia and around the globe. So let's take up part two now. So let's pick up your story of of triumph over adversity from that part of your life. Yeah, so um, I think you get through the GSC, you get through a failed business venture and and the the erosion of trust, which I, I hold really dearly. In everything that I do, and then out of the left field comes a health scare. So you know, five and a half, six years ago, um, a mate of mine had been saying to me for a long time, "You should go and get yourself checked out and have regular medical checks." And I used to use this term that you know, a brown snake won't kill me; I'll be fine. I finally relented, went and had some tests, and I, I suppose touch wood. Luckily, I did because I was diagnosed with a melanoma, and it was a Stage two, level four melanoma, which is pretty serious. Um, and at the time, it was just completely out of left field. And uh, the, the the stress and, and what comes with that is the unknown. And it's it's a great learning in allowing yourself not to be in control because you can't control that. Um, so diagnoses like that can really freak you out. And this was sudden, it was unanticipated, and it was significant, right? How did you deal with that shock factor? What did you do to, you know, settle yourself into a more resourced space? Yeah, uh, looking back, mates of mine have said to me, you know, I have this tremendous skill of uh, what they call black humour. So I, I sort of said to the 
to the specialist at the time, mate, I just want to know, can I buy green bananas or yellow bananas? And he sort of looked at me and I said, mate, that's all I want to know. So if I can buy green bananas, it means it's going to be okay and I'll be here to see them ripe. If I can't, then I'll just eat the banana now because, you know, it's all over. And, and I tried to put a human point to it because I'm always one to focus on others and I didn't want those that were closest to me, my family and my friends, to see that I was really worried. But deep down, it was a little bit like a duck on the water, you know, and the top looked okay, but underneath, I can tell you there was a lot of paddling and, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, sleepless nights. And um, But it, it was something I couldn't control. I just had to accept what was our faith with and faith with gut, though, and as it turned out, it was all good. And I guess, you know, it gets back to what you mentioned in our previous episode when you talked about the spheres of influence versus the, the sphere of control. Yeah, exactly. And this was something that um, I couldn't influence the outcome. So I didn't allow myself to be concerned by it. It was, I, I just had to accept whatever path it was going to take me down and deal with the knowns and not the unknowns. Um, and that was that was really hard. You know, it was hard to put on a front in front of the kids at home because they didn't know. Um, and also, the, the thing that Jermaine and I learned was, as a couple, um, she was brilliant. She gave me the space to be down when I needed to be down and allow and help me up when I needed to, to get up. Um, and that was really important. That was a, a good learning for both of us. I remember she said to me at one point, what do you want from me? I said, just let me be down if I have to be down. If my mindset's below the line, so to speak. Um, and, you know, we got through it and, and thankfully the, the diagnosis was good. It hadn't spread from where it was and, um, you know, talked that up to a hell of an experience. So did the, while you were going through that journey, were the children aware of that? Was it something that you didn't talk about or didn't? No, we didn't. We didn't. And I, I can remember the time when we found out um, my son Adam was going to a two-week um, trip to, to Japan with his school and uh, I was going to take him up. to. He was going to do two weeks of school in Japan. So I was taking him up to Japan and, and Adam and Georgia decided they were going to leave on Friday. I was flying out on the Sunday because you know, they were old enough to go on their own. And I was told on the Thursday. So I had the choice of do I go or don't I go? Um, they left on the Friday and then I left on the Sunday um, and spent a week with them in, in Japan, the kids and I, um, and didn't tell. So I had this, and I didn't, the surgery wasn't going to be until I came home. So didn't know outcomes, didn't know what, what could be. But um, I remember the specialist saying to me, you should go because at least if it's bad, you would have created a memory. I said, yeah, look, that's not I what can, I want to hear. Yeah, I can totally relate to this because when I found out about my brain situation, I had to go through Christmas and New Year with my, you know, birth family and siblings and I didn't want them to know about it until after Christmas and New Year. And the whole time faking that smile and faking the everything's okay was torture inside of me and it was a massive relief afterwards when I was able to actually be real with them and tell them what was going on. 
Um, because you know, yeah. what, I've, what I've learned through the neuroscience as well is that suppression can cause significant disease in the body and it's just not healthy at all. So you got through that. What, what was the lesson in that experience for you? For me, the, the, the lesson was be present and live in the now, which is something that my wife talks about all the time, was... Mm. Um, why put anything off? If you're passionate about something, chase your dreams and go after things because you just don't know what's going to come down the line in things that you can't control. And yeah. for me, that was a really strong lesson. And, um, you know, the other thing I, I could say, there's no pockets and shrouds. So there's nothing that I have here I can take with me when the end comes. So leave nothing on the table for me. Tell me more about that. How does that inform the way you live life now? So for me, having gone through some, you know, some levels of adversity, I still think I've had an, an incredibly um, fortunate life, if you want to call it that. Um, and sometimes you can just become, allow yourself to be a victim in a whole range of circumstances, be it financial, be it someone who wrote, you know, someone lies or whatever, and then you help. It's every day those people are facing not only those things, but a lot worse and not allowing yourself to be the victim is the secret to, uh, I think, the secret to um, being content and being happy. So how did you do that turnaround? How did you get up from victim space into victor? Yeah, so uh, for me it was through the neuroscience studies and, and my own experiences of no one's going to help you more than help yourself. Find something that you're passionate about and just jump in the deep end and swim like hell and get to the other end and get going. Um, and, it, and it sounds cliche, but what I learned was uh, I'm a pretty passionate person. I'm passionate about family. I'm passionate about friends and helping others. And, and for me, it was at the time I had to be passionate about me and what find what I was passionate about and then just find those things and jump in and, and have a crack. Mm. And I think it was over this time that there was a significant loss in the family as well. Is that right, love? No? Yeah, it was. Um, so my dad, um, my mum had passed many years earlier. Mum was passed when dad was 80. And my dad was 93 uh, when he passed away. But leading up to that, my dad and I had a really special relationship. We were, I have a, a, an older brother and older sister who were both adopted. Um, and then... You know, my sister's four years old and my brother's six. Um, and all of a sudden, I've arrived, this sort of freak of nature that should never have happened, um, not being adopted and actually born on my dad's birthday. Mm. So dad and I shared an incredibly strong bond. We were both soccer goalkeepers. And, um, dad passed away at 93, but the, the challenge with dad had been um, he'd lived on his own for 13 years since mum had passed. And Jeff would not entertain any sort of care. Um, some would argue that that pig-headedness sort of runs in the genetic lines of the Lord family, but he um, he just wouldn't entertain care. And, and I really struggled with getting him to understand that um, going into care was not a bad thing, but uh, he just he didn't want to entertain it at all. But, yeah, that was a pretty significant time for me when Dad passed. And there's that intent and impact again. Your intent is really good, 
to help him, to support him, but the impact was like, uh, no, no, this is not what I want. Oh, 100%. Um, I remember uh, I went round and sat down with him and, and I'd said to Janine, Dad's got to go into care. So I sat down with Dad and, and uh, I said, to him, now listen, you're going to have to go into care. So come round to the house on Friday. We'll play Monopoly, whatever, with the kids on Friday night. We'll have a look at some aged care homes on Saturday. I'll take you to the footy Saturday night and I'll even take you to your church on Sunday. And he said to me, oh, oh if I have to. I said, great. I got home and he'd already run home and said to Janine, um, tell him to ring me because I'm not doing it. And I got home and Janine said, well, how did that go? I said, perfect. I told you, no problem. He said, I don't think so. You've got to ring your dad. And his message was, tell him if he forces me to do this, I'm going to stop eating. And so he was like, that was it. He wasn't going to go into aged care no matter what. And dealing with managing how he wanted to live his final years. Um, and he lasted another sort of 12 months after that conversation. But yeah, that was a funny time. Tell him to stop, I'll stop eating if he forces me to do this. Right. Yeah. But losing your dad was pretty significant to you. Yeah. Oh, very much so. He was my rock. Um, and, you know, as I said, sharing the same birthday. But everybody that knew my dad loved him because he was the epitome of a gentleman mm. and everything that he did. Yeah. And you must have felt quite powerless when this, you know, very senior, you know, um, in, you know, a significant person in your life is in a frail situation and refuses help. You know, you know where you get that from, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and it was. It was... Uh, yeah, a sense of hopelessness around because I'm used to providing solutions and fixing problems, and um, there was no way that this, was, this could be fixed other than his way. Mm. Um, and allowing that to play out the way it would play out, um, mm. and 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 also being supportive of the fact that that was his choice. I didn't feel it was the right choice, um, and it certainly wasn't my choice. Mm. But understanding it wasn't my choice to make either. Mm. And accepting that was, in a funny way, a really growing experience because sometimes even in my corporate, um, I think we need to go a certain direction and the rest of the business goes, no, we're going the other way. And, and you have to learn to accept you can't be the one that's making all the decisions all the time. Yeah. And I guess when you were doing all that research, it really opened your eyes into that world of care for the you know the elderly and and people that needs that that needs that support and that's kind of led you into an exciting new chapter tell us about that yeah so the experience of trying to help my dad understand that in his terms all every age care home is a carefully bark and you'll leave me in the corner and you know, it's not going to be a great experience what i identified was there was nothing to help australian family overcome the emotional hurdles when they're looking for aged care for loved ones. And so it's set me on a new pattern to fundamentally improve the position for Australian families on how they source and find the right aged care home. So I started down a, a journey of um, creating a business that we call, that's now called Carefree 60. And what Carefree 60 does is remove all the emotional hurdles in families looking for aged care. 
So we built the only totally independent search functionality that's free to every Australian family to find the right aged care home based on their own individual needs. And it's totally transparent. And I think that that's a really important piece because the solutions that were available in the market at the time were all conflicted because the homes that were on those other search capabilities were being were paid to be on them or paying to be on them. And so we cover the whole market. Families can search, they can compare up to 10 homes. And it's fundamentally changing the way Australians seek age care, which is something I'm really proud of. So why is it so important to you, Noel? Because it sounds like a real passion now. It's really important because I think it's the most vulnerable sector in society, but it's also the sector that is lifted, in my opinion, with um, people who look to profiteer from families that are faced with really emotional and time-challenging decisions. Most of us ignore the aged care conversation until it's too late. And then the doctors make a call, mum can't come home from hospital, she's going to have to go into care or whatever it may be. And and people are busy being busy. And all of a sudden they go, I have a hand go up, I don't know what to do, how are we going to do it, how are we going to pay for it? And when they're vulnerable um, and they're time poor, they can make poor decisions and, and think they're making the right decisions because they're, they're, they're being preyed on, for the one better term, by people who are looking to profiteer from the whole situation. Mm, yeah. So this service is free, you said? It's free and it's independent? Yes. And it, and it provides people with options for genuine care for their loved ones in their local areas? Or how does it work? So basically, there's a search functionality. We do what we call the four Fs of aged care. Find, which is a search, um, a little bit like an Airbnb style search, and it can, can compare up to 10 homes. Um, and the report that's created is only impacted by the choices or the filters that the families say are important to them. Mm. So that's the find facilitators. We help with all the paperwork that then needs to be done. And we're building out two other solutions in the fund and follow. So a, a funding solution that will help families, how they give them options and how they pay for aged care. And then facilitate is following, sorry, follow is the following of their, their loved one's journey through care. So it's find, facilitate, fund and follow. Right. So it's quite a comprehensive service by the sounds of it. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we've uh, we've had um, up and running now for just over four and a bit years. You know, with the business changes uh, as we adapt to dealing with other challenges in the aged care sector, but it's something that the feedback from those people that have used Care360 have been just going to be able to have somewhere to go that helps them work through the what is a, quite a confusing mm. um, maze in, in dealing with age care. Yeah, well, it is definitely a conversation that we do avoid, but inevitably we're all going to get there and one that we're all going to need to be very, very mindful of. So, Lordy, is there any final words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Josie, I think my journey is um, probably no different to a lot of people, but what I've learned over the years in facing with adversity is be true to yourself, 
find a passion and, and, and chase your passion. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, um, I live my life on the view that comparison is the killer of all joy. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said in the, in the previous discussion, we had focused on my, my impact, not my intent. Um, but life's to be life's something that to, is to be embraced, and you know we all have different challenges along the along the, the road. It's not how many times we get knocked down, but it's how many times we get up. And you know the other option is not a real flash is it? That's that's indeed the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, Noel, if people want to connect with you or know more, where can I direct them? Uh, yes, yeah, so look, the best email is Noel. N-O-E-L dot Lord, L-O-R-D, at care360, C-A-R-E 360.com.au. Beautiful. I'll put that in the show notes. What an inspiration and true light you are in the world, Noel. You have again showed us that no matter what the circumstances, you really can rise and shine again. So thank you so much for sharing today. My pleasure, Joseph. Thank you. Now, if Noel Lord can do it, so can you. If you like this podcast, share your comments down below. If you loved it even more, spread the love by sharing it with your friends so that they too can rise and shine. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. You can shine.